Welcome to episode 10 of the Birding Life podcast. My name is Adam and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the birders that pursue them. I am pleased to announce that the podcast will be going out in a slightly different format. This episode will be the same format that we have been using up until now. I know that there have been lots of listeners that have tuned in and have enjoyed the show. But in the busy world that we find ourselves in, not everyone has an hour to give up to listen to a podcast. So the show will go out in two different formats, each with different guests and different topics. This type of format will now be called the Birding Life Show which will be the longer format of the show that will go out every second Friday. Every Wednesday, there will also be a shorter format of the show, which will be about a half an hour with great guests and topics that will be called the Weekly Chirp. Both of the shows will be available across the various podcast platforms and will both be on the same Birding Life account. I'm looking forward to you hearing the guests and the topics that we'll have lined up in the weeks and the months to come. In today's show, I will be chatting to three guests. I will start off by having a chat to Carly Jordan, who was part of the team that developed the Birding Safari board game that is now available in South Africa. I will then have a chat to Melissa Howes-Whitecross from BirdLife South Africa with part two of the virtual birding trip through Vakastrum. And lastly, I will chat to Jason Lee McCall, who was the founder of the Garden Game Ranger Challenge Facebook group which was featured on the local show 5050 this week about the group and its success. Don't forget, if you have any news from the world of birding, either as a bird club or an individual, please drop me an email at adam.birdinglifeessay at gmail.com and I will consider featuring it on the show. So without further ado, let's get tonight's show started as I chat to Carly Jordan from the Bird Safari board game. So I want to welcome Carly to the show tonight. Carly is part of the team that developed the Bird Safari board game. So I want to welcome you. It's good to have a chat to you tonight. So before we chat about the board game, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe a little bit about your birding journey, a little bit about who you are away from the field? Just let the listeners hear a little bit about the person that we are speaking to tonight. Okay, so um, currently in my life, I'm studying interior architecture. I'm 18 years old, so I'm just a first year. I live in Pretoria. Yeah, we love nature, our family. We've been to the Kruger National Park, I think, every year since I was born. So yeah, that was pretty much what introduced me to birding. And you were saying, what age did you start birding at? Uh, I think I was about maybe 10, 12, though. I don't actually know the age, but around then. And did you have people that birded with you, or were you the only person amongst your circle of friends who birded? Um, I can't actually remember how exactly how this happened, but I know that at the age of 15, most of my friends was birding with me. I think someone in our friend group just started birding, and it just spread. The bug bits everyone, and... You know, now at this stage in our life, everyone is just birding together. I don't know how, at what stage did that happen, but it did. And then outside of your circle of friends, how did other people see you and your friends as being a group of birders? Because if we'll be honest, birding isn't always seen as the coolest hobby that's out there. Oh no, not at all. So in school, um, people would come to me and they would have heard that I'm this birder because I actually, I was on E-News once the Afrikaans, Yanis, 
for um, the big year that I was that I started when I was 15 years old. I will talk about that in a bit. But and then people would see me on the news and they would come to me and ask me about this birding habit. And honestly, they were making fun because these grade nine boys, you know, it was a funny concept for them. It's not the most popular hobby out there. That I think that people, especially living in South Africa and being so privileged to be around nature, I really think that people seeing the birds around them, you know, they are aware that there's does and things in our gardens. So I think that low-key, everybody has an interest in learning more birds. And so I've had a few friends come up to me at school and, you know, have interest in this whole birding hobby that I have and they wanted to know more and how I go about it and even then the bird game was on the horizon you know I was speaking about some of my friends and they were interested in that they wanted to buy one so yeah I think people are interested um, and yeah as you said it's not the most popular thing. So before we chat about the board game I want to ask you one more question there's a lot of young birders who listen to the show. What advice would you give to young birders who have a passion for nature, have a passion for birding, but they are always surrounded by these negative voices? What would you say to those young people today? Um, I would just say, like, don't let it then get to your head. It's not really that big of a deal. They probably don't even mean what they say and or what they pretend to feel about it. Um, so just... If you want to, if you don't want to go through that, maybe just keep it quiet, only share it with your closest friends. If you want to share your passion with the people, just don't be shy about it and go on. Eventually, children grow up. And then at the end of the day, I think when we're grown ups and you start kind of exploring your identity, especially at the, at the age around 18 or so, a lot of my friends now at this age are getting interested in cooking and getting interested in a lot of things that's not part of your childhood because you are getting rid of all those like school system and, you know, those school kids setting. So just wait it out. It will come to an end, I promise. And just keep on birding. It's really, we all know it's fun and we all know what it has to give. Thanks, Carly. I really believe that advice is going to help somebody out there. So the reason we got you on the show tonight was to chat about the Bird Safari board game. I've had a look at this game online and it looks like an amazing game. So can you tell us a little bit about the story behind the game and also what made you and your family put together a game about birds of all things? What happened was a few years back, I watched the movie The Big Year starring um, Steve Martin and Jack Black and Owen Wilson. It's an excellent movie. I was inspired to start a big year. I invited friends and family to do this big year with me. And we all ventured on this. It started October 2015 and ended in September 2016. The reason why I always share this big year story when I talk about the game is that I think what happened in that big year was something profound for me in the terms of that the things you experience when you bird, it's not necessarily about the birds, but it's about the experiences you go through. So it's about the socials, you know, the friends and the family, the time you spend with them, the things you discover in nature. Obviously, when you're looking for birds, you notice a lot more because you're searching for things and then you find things naturally. And also the places you go and just people organize an extra trip in the big year and you would invite friends to come and bird. So I think that experience really shaped the way I thought about birding. And so amongst the, the group of birders that went on this big year as my aunt, Aunt Annette van Eerden, 
And she, I know she had this idea about starting a board game. Board games was pretty much part of our family culture. So the one day she called me, I think it was a few months after the big year, and she called me and she said, okay, or am I in or am I out? Are we doing this? And I said, yes, of course. And so um, her family and my family, while she and her husband, they actually got married right after the big year. And my family, uh, we all started developing this board game. And I think about three years later, it was it's here and it's existing right now. It's produced, it's delivered, and yeah. So can you tell us all about how we play the game? Yes. Okay. So the game is pretty a classic design. Um, there's a start and a finish on this road from start to finish. You um, have to throw the dice to move along. And you also to qualify to throw the dice, you have to succeed to identify the bird species. And so there's four ways of identifying a bird species along this path, by the way, which you drive in your game view vehicle. Uh, which is the pawn. So you drive along this road and as you land on the different spaces, there's, e there's four different icons. So the first icon you can land on is a binocular, which means that you draw a card. Just to quickly explain the, draw the card situation. So there's four different sets of cards. Each card has a, a beautiful photograph of a bird on it. And at the back, there's the name of the bird in Afrikaans and English. It's a bilingual game. And so each person playing, you can really customize this. Let's say for a beginner who wants to play, you, put in, you can draw out of the level one pile and the expert among you can draw out of the level four pile. So there's four levels. And the way you identify it, as I said, the first space is a binocular. If you land on the binocular, the idea is, is that if, let's say, I'm Adam Whip playing, I would draw a card for Adam out of, let's say, he's a level three birder. I would draw a card of the, out of level three and so show him the photograph and then he has to identify it from looking at it. And then the second one is a little bird you land on. That's an explaining method. So I would draw a card out of the level three pile and explain to Adam in any certain way I can, I can refer to an experience we had together when birding. I can refer to a few facts about the bird or how it looks or um, where it is mostly like I could say it dominates Pretoria and it makes an annoying sound when it flies over and apparently it has a fate of heights and then you would hopefully know that I'm explaining in Harida. And then the last one or the third one sorry is the ear. With this you have to draw the card and then on your app, your birding app, which Sasso has a free one I think, um, you have to play the sound of the bird and then the other person has to identify the sound. And then the last one, which is my personal favorite, is you draw a card of the pile, but this time it's not one person that has a chance to identify. The whole group of people playing has a chance to identify. And the person who draws that card can actually choose the method of identification. My choice is always by looking at the photo. So you can actually, so then with the photo, you throw it on the table and then everybody can just the first one who shouts out the correct answer takes the next turn. So you can actually kind of use strategy there and steal everybody's turn if you get it right. But that's also a very fun way to evoke some interesting reactions um, because one tends to freeze when there's a lot of pressure on you to identify a bird. I think the best part of this game is that it's so highly customizable. I mean, even if you want to put in some challenge into this game or some luck, you can uh, maybe mix all the levels and then I 
draw a level one card, then I'm lucky. And if you draw a level four card, then you're unlucky. So you can put in luck. You can, uh, you can even change some of the icons if you wish. It's really up to you. We have basically designed a base for you to educate yourself on birds and learn to identify them, learn the sounds. And if you're a beginner in this game, you will find it really easy to start learning your species. I must say, Carly, you and your family have done an amazing job on this game. It sounds like lots and lots of fun. What I like about this game is that it's well put together. It's not tacky rubbish, but it's a quality game using quality materials to put together the game. It's proudly South African. What is also exciting about the game is that it's not just aimed at experienced birders, but even new birders will enjoy the game. And it's also a good way for new birders to use the game to grow in their bird identification skills, to learn calls. And this is really going to be a game that's not just going to be lots of fun, but it's also going to help birders to grow in terms of their their skills. Um, Just a quick question, Carly. What ages is the game suitable for? Um, Adam, we are obliged to say that three is the youngest because of choking hazards. <laughs> but honestly, any age. I think if you can speak and you can hear, uh, I think you are an appropriate age to play this game. And as I said before, it's really for any level of birder. And what I'm going to tell you now is really special edition information that I've never spoken out loud. If I were to teach my child how to start birding, how I started with birding was, I don't know if you know those cards. I know a lot of boys has it like a car version. And then on the card, there's like a picture of the car, or in my case, a, a bird. And then the speed and the agility and the, the size and the weight and, you know, the wingspan and all of that. And so I used to add like a set of those cards in, but birding cards. And then we went, when we went to the Kruger National Park or something, I would identify my birds with these cards. So I would see a bird and I would quickly um, run through the cards and see if I can find the same bird. And then that was how I taught myself about let's say it was about 25 species so now with this game what you can also do is you can also take these cards these photographic images that we put in and you can also give that to someone to kind of just as they base the level one if you if you're a beginner at birding you can just take the level one have it with you in the car if you see a bird you can just quickly scan through the cards see if you can find the same bird and then that's also a great way of educating yourself and learning the species so Carly, here's the big moment. Somebody's heard about this game and they're like, how the heck do I get my hands on this game? This game sounds like lots and lots of fun. So firstly, how do they get the game? Where do they order it from? And then secondly, how much does it cost? Okay, so the game goes at a price of 4.99 rands, excluding delivery. At the moment, if you want to order a game, you can email info at birdsafari.co.za and just say that you want a game and then the person on that line will um, come back to you and ask you questions like where do you live and then they can discuss delivery methods. We normally use Fastway to deliver the game, which it depends on where you live, but I think mostly you can opt for around 50 rand delivery with Fastway or if delivery is not available in your area, which is a possibility considering that it's still level three lockdown, um, we can use Postnet to Postnet delivery, which is, I think, about 100 rand. So, um, and the other thing that we are in, um, in the process of 
doing is to get the game on take a lot. I can't tell you when that will be happening, hopefully before the end of the year, but the admin is taking really long and it's a, it's a big process. So we are working towards that. Another place that you can buy the game is at BirdLife South Africa's Shop for the Birds. Um, it's in Johannesburg. So if you live near it, you can just Google the location and you know drive there and buy your game. And one thing that Carly didn't mention is that 30 rand from the sale of every one of these board games goes to BirdLife South Africa. Am I correct? Yes. And they also endorse the game. So on the cards um, with the photographs of the bird, they would also indicate BirdLife SA did this for us. They indicated the endangered species. and. Um... So what I'll do is I'll put all the links of how you can get the game and all the relevant information in the comments section of this podcast. So Carly, thank you so much for being on the show. I love your passion for birds, your passion for nature. And like I said already, you and your family have done an amazing job on this game. So well done. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Adam. Once again, Carly, thanks for being on the show. I will post all the links in the comments section if you want more information or if you want to order the game. And don't forget that a percentage of the sale from each one of these games that is sold goes to BirdLife South Africa. I want to now welcome the inspiring and passionate Melissa House whitecross from BirdLife South Africa to the show. We are going to do part two of our virtual Vakastrum birding trip. There's another route that is great for the yellow-breasted pipit. So before we chat about the route, can you tell us a little bit about the stunning pipit, how it looks and how one is likely to see it behaving in the field? Yeah, so yellow-breasted pipits are one of our vulnerable birds. They're endemic to our high-altitude grasslands, and we really only find them along that kind of higher Drakensberg altitudinal grassland running up towards the Dalstrom area in Pumalanga. Um, so if you draw a line from there coming through Vakastrum down towards Ingula and carrying on along the berg, those upper grasslands are really where we find yellow-breasted pipit. Of the pipit species, they're probably the easiest to identify because they have this beautiful bright yellow chest during their breeding season. And so um, that combined with their bright white outer tail feathers is the easiest way to ID them. Unfortunately, in winter, they do lose a bit of that yellow, so they become a bit duller and they can be a bit trickier to ID, particularly when you're running into juvenile Cape long claws, which can look a little bit similar. So people often confuse those two. A good way to not confuse them is your Cape long claws have two white little dots at the base of their tail. They don't have the full white outer tail feather. Um, so that's a good way to, to keep those two apart if you are mixing them up. But um, their behavior, they like to forage on the ground. Um, if you are lucky enough to be there in early spring when they're breeding or getting ready to breed, um, you'll catch them displaying sort of five or so meters in the air, calling to each other and then dropping back into the grasslands. So they fly up and give a little call and then drop in again. And they'll often sort of do these little territorial disputes with each other when they're eking out their breeding territories. So you'll catch two birds jumping up at each other about up to a meter above the ground. Um, but when they're foraging, you've really, much like the red lark, got to keep an eye out for that mousy type movement. They're looking at the bases of grass tufts for insects and looking under rocks um, that are scattered throughout the, the grassland areas where we find them. So you've got to just keep your eyes peeled for that little head moving in between the grass and hopefully you'll see a glimpse of that beautiful yellow chest. When we saw them in Vakastrum, we actually saw them displaying and they've you know, like you said, they fly high up and they, they call and that kind of thing. When they drop to the grass, it's a lot easier to find them. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Breeding sort of build up to breeding season in the grasslands is one of the best times to go birding because it, it just makes it that much easier to find these elusive birds. And Lucky did use the call to locate them. So is their call distinctive? Yeah, they do have a, a very nice um, distinctive call, very trilly. Um, unfortunately, I'm not very good at mimicking it, but uh, I, I would encourage people to learn its call so that you can, when you hear it in the field, sort of tune into that quickly and get on to wherever they are. So I think a good piece of advice before you go to Vakastrum is to spend some time um, learning as many of the calls as you can. You know, Get your book, look at the birds that you could possibly encounter, read up on their behavior, and spend some time learning their calls and I think it's going to make it a lot easier because you can encounter lots of LBJs and these drab little birds that are not easy to identify. Absolutely yeah the the grasslands can be very very tricky if you don't know your calls and if if you're specifically targeting something it makes it that much easier to get onto it when you do hear it in the field so I, I think that's great advice Adam. So to find this bird you can head southwards on a road that is signposted Eitrich Along the road, you will pass through some rocky hillsides where I know you will get a few species. So what are some of the species that you can expect to find in this area? Yeah, so once again, those rocky slopes are very important for our buff streak chats and the sentinel rock thrushes and, of course, ground woodpecker. You'll also start to pick up the mountain wheat ears. And they're very cool because they come in a whole range of different color morphs. So you get the very dark mountain wheat ears, the pale gray mountain wheat ears some with a bit more white on the shoulder and not. Um, so a really nice suite of those rocky loving species. And of course, Eastern Longboard Lark is very reliable at the T-junction when you get to the top of that short climb. It's also a good idea to keep an eye on those um, Ohot bushes. You'll see the, the crevices in between the gorges are full of um, a very specific looking woody plant that is called Ohot or Leucocidia. And that's great for trying to connect with Drakensberg Prinia and Bush Blackcap. As you keep heading up, there's going to be a road to the left, which heads towards Paul Petersburg. And about a kilometre up the road, if I remember, this is a good spot for the yellow-breasted pipit. Yes, really good spot. Nice and open, flat plains, not too hilly, and the grass is not too long. Um, keep scanning, 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 and hopefully you'll, you'll see their little heads knocking between the grass, or you'll hear a call and be able to get onto them. And it's also a good idea to keep an eye out for black harriers during the summertime. This is a very... Um, frequently used area by black carriers as well. So outside of the town, there's a dam called Zaihook. Is this worth heading out to to do some birding? Definitely. So if you if you have the time, I probably would, would put the other areas that we've spoken about ahead of Zaihook. But if you do have the time, it's well worth a visit. It's quite a nice scenic drive to get out there. And on the way, you'll see the likes of Southern Bald Ibis, Grey Wing Franklins. Um, and I was lucky enough to, to actually connect with my first spotted necked otter in the river just below the dam. So if you're not um, getting the birds that you're after, you may have a chance at some of the really cool mammals that occur in the area. And of course, there's always the chance of seeing an Arabi there too. But as you get to the dam itself, there's these very steep, rocky gorge gorges and cliffs along the edge of it. And this is a really great spot for trying to get African rock puppet. Um, and it's also a, a good place to try for ground woodpecker if you haven't come right in some of the other areas. So keep your ear out for that beautiful African rock puppet trill and that'll be coming off the edges of those of that gorge and it really does echo through that gorge. Melissa, you spoke about some of the mammals that you've encountered in the area. Besides birds, what else could one expect to see as you go around the Vakastrum area? Yeah, so as I said already, the, the Arabi is one of your best um, sort of grassland um, endemic mammals to try and connect with. It's a beautiful antelope. 
Um, you've also got a shot at mountain rebuck in the area, yellow mongoose, um, suricat or meerkats as some people know them. And there's also African clawless otter. So some really, really nice uh, mammals to connect with in the grassland areas. And are there any other spots around Vakastrum that you would recommend for birds? Definitely. So as I said, if you've got the time and you, you've sort of done a bit of a longer weekend, if you take the main Petrotif road out of Vakastrum and you head down there for about 33 k's, you're going to come down to a little town called Durkiesdorp. Now, this drops you off of those high altitude grassland areas that we've been talking about already, and it takes you to a slightly lower altitude area, which really gives you an opportunity to tackle the bustards. And the one that you're really going to be looking for here is white-bellied koran, or formerly known as barrow's koran. They live in the open fields that surround the little town, and um, you'll often hear them calling early on in the morning. It's a beautiful bustard, and I'd really recommend... Um, spending the time to try and get out there and connect with it while you're in Vakastrum. And obviously on your way back then, you can also try and take the Giantese Hook Road, which will take you back up through some of those um, Ohot shrubbery and forest areas. And if you're in the right season, so summertime, you've got a good chance of finding bush blackcap. You can also find Cape Battis and of course, um, Drakensberg Prinia and Greater Double Collared Sunbird in this area too. You've mentioned throughout this chat about some of the raptors that can be seen around the Vakastrum area. So what raptors can those who are coming in expect to see in the Vakastrum area and what is the best times of the year to see them? So obviously your, your migratory raptors, you're going to be looking for things like the ammo falcon, your lesser kestrels, the harriers, so black harrier comes in in summertime, um, Montague's harrier, which comes down from further north. Um, and obviously all year round, you'll see the beautiful African marsh harrier. They typically stick around, as do the jackal buzzards. And um, so jackal buzzards are our endemic um, buzzard here in South Africa. Um, and of course, on all the telephone poles, your step buzzards will be sitting and watching and waiting to catch insects and rodents knocking around in the grasslands. Um, you will occasionally, in some of the, the more hilly areas, run into your bigger eagles. Um, if you're very lucky, you might catch a glimpse of a various eagle moving through. This is really a landscape for the, the smaller raptors. We don't see too many of the, the big eagles around. Occasionally, a martial eagle will pass through, but you're really going to be focusing on your smaller kestrels, rock kestrels, and those sorts of birds hanging around. And what about owls, nightjars, and other nocturnal birds? I know we went for a drive looking for nightjars and we didn't see anything. So is the area a good area for nocturnal birds? So I guess top of your list, everybody's going to be going for that African grass owl. Um, I have to admit, this is my bogey. So I have not had luck finding African grass owl yet, but uh, it's, uh, it's definitely the bird that everybody should be trying to find. It's endangered and a really, really special grassland specialist owl. Um, but you also get the likes of your spotted eagle owls, barn owls. Um, so really beautiful, beautiful nocturnal birds that you can run into around the town and also in those grassland areas. So if someone's planning to do a trip to Vakastrum, how long do you think they should plan to stay for them to maximize the trip? So if you have the time, um, I would definitely take leave on the Friday and head down very early on the Friday to really maximize your time in the area. If you can't take leave on Friday morning, then obviously Friday afternoon after work, head down from Joburg. It's about a three and a half hour drive. Spend that Friday evening just getting familiarized with the area. If you're staying at the BirdLife Center, you can visit some of the hides. Saturday, head on out, as we said, do your, your full day along that Amersfoort Road. And then you've got sort of most of Sunday to bird, and then you can head home on Sunday afternoon. Or if you're lucky enough, um, ideally, you'd like to sort of take Friday and Monday off to really maximize your time in the area and spend 
time exploring not just the grasslands, but some of the amazing forests and wetlands that are in the area too. But it's a great little weekend getaway. Um, and I'd highly recommend it to anybody who, who has a spare weekend to get down there and spend some time exploring. And Melissa, what about birders who travel with their families? What that might mean is they might travel with a family or not as much into birding as they are, and they might look for other things to do in the town. So how family-friendly is Vakastrum? Yeah, I think it's great for families. I mean, there's little dams where you could take the kids fishing or they can go mountain biking if you're into a bit of cycling. And there's lots of walks that you can do around the town. There's a great um, couple of museums and little shops to go and poke around in some nice restaurants. So if you're just looking for a nice quiet weekend um, where your family can really just relax, read a nice book next to a beautiful river, I definitely think it is a family friendly weekend for sure. Now, Melissa, as we've gone through this episode, we've given some really great locations to find some of the special birds in Vakastrum. Now, I know that Vakastrum has some really great bird guides. So would you still recommend that someone who's listened to this, who's taken all the information about the localities of where the birds are, and we've chatted about the calls and the behavior and all these things, do you still recommend that someone should get a bird guide? Absolutely, I would. So the grasslands are very tricky, and especially if you're you're pressed for time. Um, we have an amazing guide called Lucky Nguenya, who's based at the BirdLife South Africa Centre. And Lucky is actually the longest serving staff member of BirdLife South Africa. He's been there for, I think, close on 15 years, if not longer. I stand to be corrected on that. But Lucky's been there for almost the, the entire inception of BirdLife South Africa. So he is a phenomenal guy. He knows those birds and exactly where they are. He will take you out and he'll manage to find pretty much any target that you're after. And if you're having a day where the birds are just not coming, he is tenacious and will do whatever it takes to try and find those birds for you. He, he always has his backup spots and he really will give you a phenomenal day's worth of grassland birding. Um, it's about a thousand rand per group to go out with him and you can have up to eight people in that group. So I really think this is great value for money when you consider just how many birds he can really get you onto as you're moving through this grassland area. And it'll take a lot of the frustration out of birding the grasslands, particularly if it's the first time that you've been to Vakastrum. When we went to Vakastrum, we hired Lucky for part of the time we were there. And something I saw with Lucky is he was really passionate about finding you birds. He would do everything he could to find you that special bird. Oftentimes, you know, he would set a time and say he guides from this time to this time. And what would happen is, is it would be like late in the afternoon and we're like, Lucky, we need to get you home. And he's like, no, no, no. And he's trying to find you just that special bird. And I really can't recommend Lucky highly enough. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal guide, a real passion to get you birds. And like you said, Melissa, um, when you get a guide, it just takes a whole lot of the stress off. He knows the locations. He knows the places to stop. And I think more than that, in South Africa, something that is important is safety. And a lot of the areas that Lucky takes you to, he really, he knows the community you're going into. He knows the people you're going into. And it just makes it a whole lot safer. Um, really, get a guide when you go there. It's going to make your experience so much better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, particularly if you want to go and see the likes of white-bellied Koran or Burtis Lark. I mean, you're really, you're going into the communal grazing lands of these villages. It would be like someone walking into your backyard that you didn't know. So going with Lucky, it just puts puts your mind at ease. Um, and he really, he really knows his birds and he knows his stuff. And as you say, you will struggle to find someone more passionate about grassland birds than Lucky and Gwenya. He's a, a phenomenal guy and we're very privileged to have him as part of our BirdLife South Africa team. One of the birds we wanted to see when we were in Vakastrum was a rock puppet. 
And we looked all over for this bird and eventually Lucky took us to this communal um, land. And when we got there, he went and spoke to the lady who was in charge and spoke to her and asked permission for us to go onto the land. And there's no way that if I'd gone there myself or we had gone there ourselves that we would have been able to get permission to go onto the land to find the rock puppet, which we eventually got. And I really think it's those kinds of things that make getting a guide well, well worth it. The other thing is is also is that the costs of renting a guide is it's it's very low. I mean, if you look at the value you're getting and the all the factors that are involved, the cost of getting a guide is really reasonable. And I really want to encourage you, like I said, get a guide. It's going to make your trip a whole lot better. So Melissa, I want to say thank you for being on the show. It's been great chatting to you. And I love your passion for birds and your passion for conservation. And I really appreciate your time. So if someone wants more information about the Vakastrum Tourism and Education Center, or they want to hire a guide in Vakastrum, or possibly they want to um, give towards BirdLife South Africa and get involved in the conservation work that you guys are involved in. How can they get further information? Yeah, thanks so much, Adam. And I really just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity and the exposure that you are giving BirdLife South Africa with these podcasts. We're, we're very lucky to have people like you who are so passionate about birds and conservation and are willing to share your wonderful platform with us to spread our message of conservation. So thank you for that. But in terms of getting in touch with us, the best place to start is probably our website. So that's www.birdlife.org.za. And on there, you'll be able to find out all about the organization, um, all about our community guides who are available across the country, not just in Vakastrum, but all over South Africa, as well as some of the information about the Vakastrum Tourism and Education Center. So I'd encourage everybody to, to reach out there. And if you do have any burning questions, you can send them through to info at birdlife.org.za. So be sure to check out BirdLife South Africa. And as soon as you're able to, look into doing a trip to the stunning little town. Tonight's final guest is Jason Lee McCall, who was the founder of the Garden Game Ranger Challenge Group on Facebook. This nature-filled group has exploded in numbers, and as we speak, is sitting at just under 6,000 members from all over the world. So, Jason, I want to welcome you to the show. I'm really excited to have a chat to you tonight. Um, I know just before you went online, you were having an insane roti. It looked really amazing. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, look, uh, we ran a bit of a comrades challenge, race the legends challenge today. So we rewarded ourselves with all the calories we burnt today. And funny enough, uh, I saw two or three birds that I hadn't uh, seen on the way. Uh, there's a lagoon that, that we go past. And I actually thought of you because I knew that we were having this chat tonight. There's a strange... Uh, couple of thoughts while trying to run 21 kilometers today and think of Rotti at the same time. But thanks for having me on the show. I'm really, really stoked to be here. So Jason, I see that the Garden Game Ranger Challenge Group on Facebook has grown to just under 6,000 members now. I'm sure that when you started it, you never would have imagined that it would have grown to this kind of size. I've always been passionate about um, wildlife. Uh, birding for the last couple of years has been really, really uh, on top of my mind. And in my garden, I'm um, months before I'd started recording how many birds I'd actually seen unique species and it was quite almost a selfish idea to start because I thought just let me just start recording this and putting up a page and and, and I'll record some of the birds and give some facts and that kind of thing and then 
people started joining. I, I sent out a couple of uh, invites, and it just kind of spread. People wanted to show up, but they had their gardens. But my initial thought was just, there's so much going on in my garden, from butterflies to birds, and that birds were the main, I must admit, the main primary goal. But when you see the birds, you see everything else around it, because they only exist because of everything else around. And then it just spread, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it's really fantastic, and, and fully interactive, which, which I really like. So I've only actually met you through Facebook and WhatsApp. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Okay. So um, uh, KZN boy, uh, went to Meredith University and then uh, became a journalist for a newspaper for five years. After that, I went into radio uh, as a content producer. I produced three uh, award-winning, well, two award-winning shows, three award-nominated uh, radio shows and a commercial radio station. And um, after that, um, I went and did a few different things, um, did some cut on that, and I worked now from a superstore, uh, a supermarket called Boxers. I work as a communication liaison, telling good stories and, 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 and really um, doing the interactions that the, the company has um, to make sort of South Africa and Eswatini a better place through, through affordable um, uh, 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 pricing of food. But um, throughout all of it, there's been a vein of, of, of wildlife. I've always been involved in, 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 in some way or another with, with something to do with wildlife. Um, and, and one of my big passions is obviously birding and, and, and bonza, funny enough. So it's, it's a bit of a mixed thing, but content and, and wildlife have gone together in, in, in my life a, a lot. And I, and I absolutely love the idea of, of blending the two, hence the, hence the page. What is the idea behind the group? Yeah, so when I started, I was, I was actually doing a run, funny enough. It was one of the gardening about it, and I thought, let me just do this and start it. The basic aim, the premise of it is that it started during the lockdown because while we're locked down, we're in our garden. We're not allowed, we weren't allowed to leave, especially during level five, and people got to explore their gardens a bit more. But were they? Were they actually seeing what was going on in their gardens and the incredible amount of wildlife that was right there on their doorstep? So the idea is to get people outside and become their own garden game ranger. Now, the game ranger, if you've ever met one, probably one of those informative human beings. They, they get all the information and it, it's not impossible to learn these things. There's, there's enough content around to learn about a butterfly, a bird and whatever else, a lizard or a, or, or a chameleon, whatever comes into your garden. So the point was posted on the group. If you have something to say about the animal or bird, or whatever that you spotted, put it in, on there. And if you don't, someone else on the group with a like-minded attitude will tell you. And we've got birding professionals, snake professionals, butterfly professionals giving information and you learn the most crazy things. And in that way, you get to appreciate your garden and hopefully take care of um, the environment a bit more. Because if you start taking care of the boats, because you know that there's a, a certain type of bee that is heavily reliant on flowers that are in your garden, you won't necessarily you know, put pesticides down or whatever the case is and deter the ants and all the rest of it and then feeds up the birds and all the rest of it. So it's about a little bit about knowledge more passion and, and love for nature and wildlife and also interacting with humans on the one thing that isn't COVID related. That was a big one as well. Just talking about nature can get your mind away from the, the insanity and the absolute saturation of COVID-19 related news. So there was, a, there was a multitude of reasons for it. Yeah, obviously this podcast is aimed mostly at birders, but I think what I love about the group is how it paints the fuller picture of what nature is all about. And I really think as a birder, there's this interconnectedness. You know, birds are great indicator species of, of what's happening in the environment. So when people start looking at their gardens and start seeing what's showing in their gardens versus what's showing in somebody else's garden, it's quite a good indicator of how healthy their garden is in terms of, you know, in terms of nature and that kind of thing. I, I completely, completely agree. Um, you talk about, we talk about the interconnectedness and I, and I think that birds, if you have pigeons and, and common miners in your garden only and, and they, they move around in cities that a lot, 
and they're used to pretty much anything. And you know, and you're not getting anything else. You go deeper. What's going on here? And you notice then you're. Seeing, I'm not seeing any butterflies. I'm not seeing any bugs. But someone you look on the group and someone's posting about all these different butterflies and six different types of uh, of birds that they saw this morning. And then they had something else that came in. You can make an assumption that your area is either healthy or not based on that. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna be selfish and say that as a, as a bird lover and as an absolute birder. I would say about 70 to 80% of the posts are bird-related um, or, or some kind of bird that's been spotted. And interestingly enough, over the lockdown, now obviously this group was formed during the lockdown, a lot of our uh, God Game Rangers have been saying that they've been seeing birds that previously, but they hadn't seen those birds in the areas as frequently or at all. And, and there's been some sightings where birds haven't been there for 30 years, people who are living in the, in the area and, and they've lived in the area a long time. So there's a lot of hope, there's a lot of passion um, and, and there's a lot of um, interconnectedness with that. And birding seems to be a core uh, thing. And look, I'm not going to lie, the butterflies and the bees, the spiders, and then obviously the different mammals and that that have come through and the, and the reptiles are equally as fascinating. There is an overarching connectedness uh, with the birds because if there's no birds, there's generally a bit of a problem. And this, of course, is an area that doesn't, uh, is not friendly for birds or conducive for birds to live in. So I know this is going to be a bit of a difficult question to answer, but what have been some of your favorite posts that have appeared on the group so far? So again, I'm going to be selfish. Birding-wise, there's been a few. Uh, uh, look, some of them, we, we immediately assume it's going to be a rare species, but not necessarily. Up in uh, Asagai Hillcrest, there was a spotting of a pair of uh, crown cranes that hadn't been there for 30 years. Um, we have Adden's uh, stalk, and someone had said that there hadn't been a spotting of that bird in that area in that part of Durban for since 1987. So that was a great one. So from a birding side, there's been lots of, animal-wise, someone spotted a, a lion chasing a elan. We've had caracals in, in waterfall. We've had um, chameleons, the, the amount of chameleon spottings. And, you know, they're rarer and rarer to see these days in the suburbs. Lots and lots of those. But birding-wise, there's been some absolutely phenomenal. And birds from overseas, from the guys who are living overseas that are on the group, I've got 70 countries now on the, on the, on the group, around about 70 plus. And I saw my first Mexican eagle, uh, which is a wonderfully huge, beautiful bird of prey over in the States. Um, it, was, it was absolutely amazing. There's a, there's a chapter called, uh, I think it's Bill Armitage from Texas. And the birds and the snakes that he posts are just unbelievable. So the group's not just open to South Africans, it's open to anyone around the world. Look, it started as, as a group for people in Durban North, where I'm from, hosted uh, you know, a couple of uh, friends that joined, and then it, it, it went to KZN for posting, and then I got started getting posts from down in Cape Town of, of some wagtails that I uh, think were around, and, 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 and then Turico started rocking up from the Eastern Cape, uh, some Nasnas and that, and then, then, I, then I went up north, and of course the guys living near and around Kruger started showing off, and then it just exploded um, because people who had immigrated uh, were tagging their mates and, and then saying, well, yeah, we've also got some birds here in, in, in America. Some guys from Florida would post. And then the UK has been beautiful because the UK seems to have a lot of very colorful um, birds that we, where we hear about the stories um, and they've been posting uh, uh, some of them there. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Muscat in Oman, we even had the common mana was in, in Muscat in Oman. And then, and then a guy I started to become friends with Paul. He, he's either, I'm not sure if he's a bird guard or a, or a, or a field guard of some sort, but he... Uh, he lives in, I think it's uh, Kenya. It's either Kenya, it's, it's, it's sort of quite high up uh, in, in, in Africa. He traced a lot of the birds that migrate, you know, our yellow carts and so on. And we all said goodbye to them. And there was a lot of sightings that we, we all bid farewell to them. And then he started saying, your guys, your birds are starting to come this side. Oh, with some of the birds that migrate, you can, you can plot their, their sort of migrations and by seeing where they, all of a sudden people are posting from and saying, oh, they're here now. So it really is a global uh, experience right now. But main, maintaining of that mindset, that it's your backyard. So we see it globally, we talk about it globally, 
that you know that pigeon that you're talking about, uh, or that that tarako, or that blue tit, or whatever it is, is still very much in your garden. But just you're you're able to have a conversation on a worldwide level. It's it's really fascinating. So what a lot of people might not know is that I'm speaking to a mini celebrity, and the Facebook group was featured on Fifty Fifty last night. <laughs> I wouldn't use the C word. Uh, I've been lucky enough to work with uh, uh, celebrities over the years, both um, reporting on them as a journalist and then working you know, alongside or interviewing them as a, as a, as a producer on a radio station. I think that um, the idea of getting publicity for something that you're doing is fantastic. And we're, I've been lucky enough. We've had People's Weather, which is uh, Channel 180 on DSTV featuring it. Show fifty fifty, which I grew up on, is running uh, is running a series on it, which is really really good. And then I've got an interview coming up in a couple of days. I can't say really much about now, but it'll be on a part of well known morning TV show that uh, is going to be pretty cool. So it's getting some traction. Uh, a couple of newspapers have have written about it, and for me, the more people that know about it, the more chance they've got uh, to be part of something. I believe be really fun, absolutely um, geared towards wildlife. And you know what? It's bringing people together. So I see no negatives with it. So, Jason, just lastly, um, obviously the lockdown in South Africa is slowly wearing down, a lot slower than some people wanted to wear down. But what is the plan for the group going forward, and can people still join the group? Of course. Absolutely, of course. As long as there's birds in your garden, bees in your, uh, and bees in your trees, and caracals walking through your, your, your backyard, uh, the group is going to continue to grow. And what my goal is as, and it's possibly going to be more important once lockdown ends, not to forget what you have, and so you can appreciate it in the, in the maelstrom that is the world and working and getting back and this and that and my life and it. Just to know when things get a bit difficult, go into your garden. Go be your, put on your garden game ranger hat and show us a picture of a butterfly you saw, whether it's a monarch or a green-veined um, a species or something that, you, um, that, you've, that you've got immense pride in. It, it will probably slow down in, in terms of most things as people don't have time. But I'm also finding that a lot of people are doing it and, and, and going, geez, you know, it's my, it wasn't in my backyard, but as I was leaving to work, I saw the species of bird that I don't think um, we see very often. So it might evolve into that a spotting group for your neighborhood. I do want to keep it, though, condensed into um, around humans and around life um, and, and that, that involves everyday humans. Because there's no point in posting something in the middle of Mauritius on a, on a holiday that you've gone or you've gone to a game reserve and, or a game park and you, you're seeing 100 species. That's not what it's about. There's a, there's a time and place for that. And this is about identifying and enjoying what you've got, the golden uh, opportunity to find things that are around you. It's been a very, very good learning curve for a lot of people. We're carrying going, we've got a goal we want to reach before the end of the year, a lot of people and, and what we want to do, and hopefully it just keeps evolving. Um, so really, Jason, I really thank you for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Um, what I'll do is I'll actually put a link to the group in the comment section of this podcast, people can just click on the link and join the group. But I really appreciate being on the show and for giving up your precious time. Thanks, Amal. Thank you for having me on. I think you've got a great uh, podcast. I think you've got a great idea with this, this incredibly unique and important podcast show. So thanks for having me on the show, man. Thanks to everyone that was on today's show. It's always a privilege to get to chat to the guests that I do every single week. Don't forget all the necessary links will be in the comments section of this podcast. Please can I ask you to hit the follow button and rate the Birding Life podcast on whatever platform you are listening to it on. I would also appreciate it if you could share it as far and as wide as possible. So next week, Wednesday, we start the new weekly chirp format, which like I said, is a shorter format. But what doesn't change 
is I'll always strive to have the best guests and content on the show. We will be starting a short series where we'll be looking at the different bird identification apps that are presently available on the Southern African market, hearing straight from those involved in the apps about what their apps have to offer. Don't forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. I really do appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.